She's April. And she's Molly. <laughs> and we are the Book Besties. We got engaged while I was on drugs. You got all the important parts. And we just got delisted. My husband is Ron Swanson. My cheeks hurt. Y'all need to And also, if Earth really cared, they could have visited their local planning office. Why does it matter? I got 37 acres of boobies. Tom, don't tell people that. (laughs) We're married to men. If you say it like that, they will know that we are not. Well, bloody hell. Oh my god, what an interesting start already. (laughs) (laughs) We have the one and only... Tom, our editor with us today, and we are he's going to actually be leading the charge yes. with his favorite book. Our editor, but also my husband. Yep, valid point. <laughs> Which I also learned you rejected three times on a proposal, so I'm going to need this story. I think the world needs this story. <laughs> do you want to tell them, Tom, or do you want me to tell them? It's it. Well, it starts while we're dating. Obviously, that's when engagements start. That is but, obvious. Shockingly, um, yes. It's not <laughs> during marriage that people I, get I, engaged. I told her that I would choose absolutely every detail about the day, and that I would choose how she did her hair, how she did her makeup, how she what dress she wore, and I would mm-hmm. pick every single detail of the yep. day. He did, and I did. And it was still a surprise. She did not know what was happening. Yeah. So I actually thought that he was going to propose when we were visiting our families uh, because we were living in Houston. Right. um, And we were visiting our families that uh, Thanksgiving. um, And Tom's parents and maybe all three of your brothers were coming to Thanksgiving dinner. At least two of them were there. And um, it was my dad and stepmom and my brothers. And so, like, our families were meeting. And, like, I just really thought – he was going to do it then. And like, I kept saying things like, you know, it'd be nice if like, it was when we do get engaged, it would be like, you know, not people around. <laughs> you want it more private. Yeah. Well, he had proposed at Kima, so I did not get <laughs> privacy. <laughs> no, absolutely not. But uh, he actually hired a photographer to do like, to, I didn't know that she was taking pictures of us getting engaged, but I'm a scrapbooker. So he knew I would want pictures of it. So he hired somebody to take pictures of us getting engaged. I thought we were getting couples pictures. And I actually thought it was an incredible waste of money because I assumed we were going to be getting engaged. And then we vacation pictures. <laughs> yes. So I was kind of like, we don't really need to do this. You're irritated. Like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, we don't need to do this. It's like a lot of money. Like, you know, we're going home for Thanksgiving and like blah, 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 all the things. Um, and so... Yeah, he was proposing to me. He picked out my dress. Like, we went dress shopping together for the pictures. Mm-hmm. And he, he was telling me how he liked, he said, you should do your hair like this. And I did that. And Because um, that's one of the ways I like wearing my hair. And it's one of the ways, well, not anymore because my hair is shorter now. But um, anyway, so when he proposed, I thought we were, like, watching the sunset for this picture. And, like, I was like, what the fuck? Why is he not, like, behind me anymore? <laughs> so I turned around and he was, like, down on one knee. And I go, no, no, no. What are you doing? What are you doing? <laughs> and he's like, uh, proposing? <laughs> you literally said no to the man before he even got a word out. Yes. Which is a, a thousand percent you. It, it which is. is a thousand percent you. I like control and I had no control in that moment. And um, obviously I did say yes after he did I mean, say 
the question. Like he hadn't actually asked the question yet, but um, I uh, didn't realize that we were going to be getting engaged prior to Thanksgiving. And then it ended up being really nice because we had all of our families together for Thanksgiving. And um, like I had met Tom's family and he had met my family, but like they hadn't met each other. Um, and they all still lived in Florida at the time. So it was nice. That is um, nice. But yeah, I said no. No. <laughs> we got engaged while I was on drugs. So I don't think legally I was allowed to consent. So not illegal drugs, you people out there that think I'm like a stoner or something. No, I was, it was post ankle. Like I had reconstructed surgery on my ankle and they, I was on all the pain meds then. So to be fair, you may have not consented when you got engaged, but you very clearly still got married. So I mean, you've met Matthew. He kind of just sticks around. <laughs> Is this why the kids call it Molly? Uh, yes, exactly why. I invented a drug. We are extremely wealthy and I just don't tell anybody. <laughs> that's, that's not a drug you want to be responsible for inventing. Like, no. Yes, me, who needed a tutor through high school algebra and college algebra. <laughs> Oh my gosh. So this okay, is so, book. Yeah, so we've got Tom here because um, we are Just reading. We're going to talk about it getting engaged. Yeah, That's why well, we're talking here. <laughs> so, so Tom has been our editor since the beginning, and we are rolling towards the end of season two at this point, but almost Seriously. a year that we've been doing this. And um, I had wanted wow. to read, I know, crazy. I had wanted to read um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy for, for a while. Pod. Yeah. And um, it made sense to me that it was the 42nd episode. If you're a fan of the book, you understand why it needed to be the 42nd. Obviously. But I kind of thought, well, maybe we can get Tom to just, like, be a guest. And I was like, so I was like, hey, babe, would you want to come on the pod? And, like, when we do Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy? And he was like, what if I hosted it? And I was like, yeah. Voluntarily. Which I've never heard. I've known Tom a long time and I've never heard this man volunteer for anything. <laughs> he volunteers for a lot of things, actually. <laughs> okay. well, in the situations I knew him for. <laughs> but in the military, you don't volunteer or you're just screwed. <laughs> no, when you volunteer, you end up in the Navy, which is not a good place to be. <laughs> Who told I, you I, that? Never again volunteer yourself. Navy. Navy. N-A-V-Y. Never again volunteer yourself. Come on, Tom. Help me out here. Yikes. She's trying. It's it's a little <laughs> puddle pirate just trying to puddle her way over. <laughs> you know what? Fuck both of you. Anyway. <laughs> this is going to be really fun. We're going to irritate the hell out of her the whole episode, Tom. <laughs> I mean, what else is new? You irritate me every pod episode. He irritates me every day. It's just normal. <laughs> It's just on camera for posterity reasons now. <laughs> well, now I'm feeling all flushed and embarrassed. So you guys suck. Anyway, we did this book. This is actually the uh, ultimate Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. So this actually has all five novels in it. But we are only going to be talking about the first book today. And um, that There's is There's five called... of those books? Yes. They're not. It. Only a couple of them are related. I don't get it. I'm not so, gonna lie, guys. I don't get it, it. It goes from the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. At the end, they they ask, "Right, know, are you feeling a bit peckish?" They head off to wherever the they go. The right, the restaurant at the end of the universe. When That's we're cool. at the restaurant at the end of the universe, we see a scene where the dolphins leap up out of the earth and say, "So long and thanks for all the fish." Right, and that's the third book. That's book four. Life, the universe, four. and everything is three. Life, the universe, and everything. Sure. 
Cool. And then young Zaphod plays it safe is number five. Which is not entirely related to the series. But I did want to say that um, Molly... Does it I make think- book one make more sense? If you don't think book makes <laughs> one make more sense... <laughs> No, it's not supposed to make sense. It's humor. But um, I wanted to tell you, Molly, that this edition has a forward in it called What Was He Like? Douglas Adams. And it was written by Neil Gaiman. Oh, I love Neil Gaiman. I know. Well, I don't know that they were necessarily friends, but they both did write for Doctor Who and probably ran in the same weird British writer circles. So, um, yeah. Obviously. Um, So. Tom, take it. This is your show, man. We're just hanging out today. Yeah. All right. Well, I, well, I guess we'll start with a uh, symposium of words. Mm. Okay. Well, a symposium. Look it up. Your book, besties. The the meaning fits better than uh, synopsis because the symposium is a bunch of people hanging out talking about. But we're the not a bunch of, a book. of people. It's just April and I. <laughs> And the are besties, you, the besties are here too. Are you giving Molly the same eye twitch that I get when you talk? <laughs> I'm going to push this little like thing in the front of my temple and ho- in the middle of my brain and hope that my... <laughs> Continue talk. I, I kid. I really do love him, everybody. I really do. We've been married for... This year will be 12 years. Been 12 together years. for 13 years this month. Um, oh, wait, is our anniversary this week? It's this week. Um, (laughs) (laughs) she forgot. I did. (laughs) I did. Um, anyway, I do love him. So anyway, go ahead and have your, go ahead and have your symposium. All right. Um, it's, it's very short because the book overall is very short. Yes. Arthur, a loser, earth, human male is incapable of correctly saying no to Ford Prefect. Mm. Arthur's best friend, an alien from somewhere in the vicinity of Beetlejuice. Mm -hmm. They go on an improbable journey from a local pub across the galaxy, while Arthur is just attempting to stop a bypass from being built. They're rescued from destruction by a personal chef, and then then again by the spaceship, the Heart of Gold, Mm -hmm. accompanied by the last remaining Earth female, Trillian, and a space pirate who happens to be... Who happens to be the president of the galaxy, Zaphod Babelbrox. Arthur no longer has any clear goals and is thus waylaid into listening to Vogon poetry, being led down happy corridors by a depressed robot, and finally forced into the center of a planet factory, Margarethia, where two mice attempt to buy his brain off of him, mostly because he's not using it. A daring escape is ultimately... Anticlimactic as Marvin, the depressed robot, convinces the police spaceship to commit suicide. Feeling a bit peckish, the crew decide to go grab a bite to eat at the restaurant at the end of the universe, setting us up for book two. You forgot about Slarty Bartma. Bart, Slarty, Slarty. Yeah. I heard Slarty Bart fast. Slutty? Oh, not Slarty. What's his name? Slarty. Slarty Bart fast. I give up. Slarty Bartfast. <laughs> was the guy who waylaid him into the heart of the yeah. yeah. That was a very, very good synopsis. I'm super proud of you, babe. You got all the important parts. Well, yeah. You want to tell everybody? a master's degree. Yeah, you do. <laughs> okay. Do you want to tell everybody about your t-shirt before we go on? I do. I got an honorary book besties t-shirt. Yes. So we actually sent the first one of these to our friend Chezzy, and she did a TikTok Instagram reel 
um, unboxing it. And Nurse Katie also received one. And now our editor, Tom. Tom, Tom. Okay, so, yeah. So Tom is leading the way here on questions. They're all going to be weird because in case you haven't guessed, my husband is is weird. weird. And the book is very weird. But I do want to say, the first time I read this book was the summer that Tom and I were first dating. So... I was reading Twilight at the time, and he was like, okay, I'll read these books, and you read my favorite book. And I read Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy and laughed the whole way through it and, like, stopped at points. I was like, no, I have to read you this. He's like, April, it's my favorite book. I've read it more than once. Like, you really don't read parts. And I was like, no, but I do. It's so funny. Um, so uh, this is my third reading of it. Um, okay. Yeah. I've started and stopped this book three times. This is the first time I finished it. I'm not going to lie. So basically what you're telling me is if I put Outlander on the pod, you'll have to finish that one too. And it will make Katie. You hate Outlander. Why would you make me read it? I do not hate Outlander. I hate historical fiction, but I like Outlander. Exo facto. You hate Outlander. Outlander has good sex in it. And I can't consider that to be historical fiction. It's fantasy because there's time travel. There's time travel and sex, so it's uh, fantasy romance. Yes, thank so you, thank you. Really, go where? Where? Where do you find it in uh, the library? Um, probably in the romance section. If no. there is a romance section, if there isn't, then it's just in the regular no, no. fiction section. Now, I'm, so you asked that question. I find it in the library just under Plex. <laughs> you go. To, you hit the Roku button. He's talking about. Over. He's talking about our uh, the the show, not the book. Google it, says it is, labels it as historical fiction first, fantasy sex, fantasy second. I don't care what Google says. Google isn't right. I'm a librarian, so Google could. You're bite saying my ass. you're smarter than Google? Yes, I am. Those are some big words. Yes. <laughs> and we words. just got delisted. <laughs> Damn it! <laughs> she says, "JK, please sponsor the questions." Hashtag not sponsored, but you know. All right, to the questions. All right, this April. is a train wreck. Yeah, it's going to be a beautiful train be. wreck. Do Do you see yourself in this book? And which character do you think you are? Uh, the, probably the depressed robot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. Get the depressed robot. Uh, humankind also makes me want to be- just evaporate. Um, I, 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 I would. I don't know. I probably am the most like Arthur. I would say, like, I just want peace and quiet and people to leave me the fuck alone. I'm Trillion. I'm not where I'm supposed to be, um, but I somehow became the grown up in the situation, and I don't know why. No, that's not you. Family. <laughs> <laughs> The only reason this house is staying upright is because of me. <laughs> Thanks for you? that, though. What do you think, Tom? Who are you like? Uh, well, yeah, I see myself more of as the ship. Um, mm. The heart of gold itself runs on probability. It um, runs on improbability. Infinite improbability. And I, I, I kind of tend to run my life the same way. If there's a chance an event will happen, I'll plan for it. If there's a very low event chance that something will happen, I will not plan for it. Lies. <laughs> Lies. <laughs> I just want you to go on record and say that you think you're a better planner than me. Is that what you're saying? I'm not saying I'm a better planner because you have 
all the plans. All the plans. I have infinity plans. I have <laughs> one most probable plan. Well, I have an anxiety disorder, so I have all the improbable plans. <laughs> so you're in who you would be the improbable girl, not the impossible girl? Yes. <laughs> I'd like to think I would be Pond. I would be the girl that waited. Hmm. And Tom would definitely be Rory. He would wait a thousand years guarding the tomb. Hmm. More cute like that. But also River and the Doctor. Sometimes we want to murder each other. Yeah, that makes sense, too. <laughs> I see myself more uh, Rose, like, later years, where she's interrupting the monster to yell at a guy because he got yelled made her mom upset. That's, when, that, that's who I am. When she's Bad Wolf. Mom! Like... When she's Bad Wolf? Yeah, yeah. I can see that. that. that that's me. Like... I can see that. I, I don't care there's chaos going on. There's a man with a gun trying to kill you. You upset someone I love. This is We're another... words about this. This is another episode that we've gone to who, but, like... At least this one, it makes sense because he wrote some of Doctor Who. It, it, it transitions he, he wrote properly. The best, the, Douglas Adams wrote the best episodes from Doctor Who. Which one's your favorite? Uh, um, the, the, the first one of the middle season of um, The Pawns. Um, he, Pawns he gets, are always... Yeah, yeah, they're, they're, they're in the middle of Christmas battle and he gets his hand chopped off. And yeah. Oh, he wrote that one? He wrote that one. When the hand is like regenerating and he's like, oh, look at that. I still got a hand. My favorite Doctor Who episode he didn't write. I like the one with um, uh, uh, Van, uh, Van Gogh. That's my favorite that's, one. That's up there. Um, I always, whenever I try to convince somebody that they need to watch Doctor Who, um, I tell them to watch Dinosaurs in Space because it's Oh, funny. that's so funny. He wrote that one, didn't he, Tom? Isn't that one of the ones yep. he wrote? I, just, I tell everybody to watch Dinosaurs in Space, Van Gogh, mm-hmm. and then um, I can't remember the name of the episode. It's the one where it's the girl in the picture and Ten brings a horse onto the spaceship and it's Rose. And, she, and Rose is like, you can't keep the horse. And he goes, I let you keep, um. Oh, yeah. Mickey. I let, I let you keep, keep Mickey. Mickey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> David Tennant is Tom's favorite doctor. He's the best doctor. No, you're both wrong. I'm sorry. You're outvoted. In this little group, you're outvoted. So you're technically wrong. It's okay. I'm fine with going against the stream. I can be independent. Okay, so probably should go back to our questions now. I feel very <laughs> bullied on this episode. <laughs> but, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Do you want to just, like, cut it short? That's it, besties. Have a great week. We'll see you later. Bye. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. I, 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 let's, let's, I'm going to redeem my bride here. Okay. Miss, Miss Molly, another thing that keeps coming up is the digital watch. Uh, do you think digital watches are a pretty neat idea? I think it helps us be lazy and not have to read analog. <laughs> I think for that time, that was a pretty neat idea. I mean, Although I have to say, when I read this book, I always think it took place longer ago than it did. because It was feels like very written, 90s to me. It was written and published in, what, 87? I think. Really? Yep. It's older which, than I thought it was. Uh, which is the first... the first star wars movie came out the same year so that makes sense why yeah the digital watch would be very like high tech then i'm just trying to see but i'm pretty sure that's fancy mm, 
86. So the first, no, Hitchhiker's Guide was 79, which is the really? first year that the first Star Wars movie came out. So I was right about that. I don't know why I was saying it was 87, but 79 is the first, is Star Wars A New Hope came out and Hitchhiker's Guide of the Galaxy came out. So none of us were alive yet. <laughs> that makes me feel good about life, actually. <laughs> we're younger than a book for once. We're younger than a lot of books. But books we've covered, I mean. To Kill a Mockingbird. We're younger than that. That, that, that book's timeless. It doesn't count. <gasps> you agree. Just to make you happy, love. You know what? Fuck <laughs> both of you. <laughs> Not so, you. Thank you for redeeming me, husband. So tell me what you think about we, the watch, Tom. So, yes. Back then, we, we did have digital watches. And the, the, the idea of having a, an LCD display that, that had little letters and you know very blocky uh, numbers. It was a very cool and neat idea because mm-hmm. you didn't have to read analog. Right. Yeah. Um, but I, I think our part of why I love science fiction so much mm-hmm. is the progress of technology. Right. Um, and we have digital watches today mm-hmm. that tell you time and sure and play music for you and check your heart rate and your, and your yeah. O2 levels. And right. Yeah. Smart watches are a pretty neat idea. And it stems from the idea that digital watches were a pretty neat idea. I mean, I feel like we've talked about that before when we did the episodes for Ready Player One and um, Starship Trooper. Yeah, that's the book. Um, I, I almost said Stormship, but I know that wasn't right. Um, so those books, we talked about how uh, sci-fi has an element of reality in it, right? So right. with Ready Player One, the idea of virtual reality, since that book came out, it's actually progressed to a point where we have a closer to virtual reality than we right. had when that book came out. Right. So, you know, a digital watch in 1979 was a big deal. And now we have the, you know, Apple watches, the smart watches that are tied to your phone and really do everything that you could need them to do and things you don't need them to do. And it's a bigger comment on how sci-fi influences actual science, right? Yeah. Like Star Trek inspired, I read somewhere that Star Trek inspired the first cell phone, right? Well, I mean, you can't imagine that somebody like... uh, Steve Jobs or Wozniak um, wasn't reading Douglas Adams. Right. Like you can't, I'm sure Woz is a fan of Douglas Adams Mm -hmm. because that's, it's classic sci-fi with humor in it. Um, I don't know. I just think, I think there, yeah, I agree with Tom. There's like, that's how we, we grow like science fiction. Like if you think about like, Old school Looney Tunes, Marvin the Martian. So right. he was in the what twenty? He was in the twenty first century, right? right? The Jetsons. Okay, yeah. we don't have flying cars yet, but they're still working on it. Like they are but legit do, working on that. I mean, and do you know what the most popular name is for um, the robot vacuums? Rosie. It, Rosie. Yeah, it's like the number one name for. I mean, so we're all like have a. Mm-hmm. There's so many people that have their own. Yeah virtual made already you know robot right. made already right yeah that makes sense i can see that mm-hmm. it makes yeah what's next babe all right um well that's the digital watches 
<laughs> April, uh, would you lobotomize yourself in order to become a politician? And is that how politicians came to be? I don't want to be a politician. So, no. But I can see that. <laughs> I think it's a really funny look at commentary that, like, in order to become the president, he had to, like, split his brain to, like, he, he didn't really lobotomize himself, right? Like, he cut off a part of his brain and, like, contained it for the information. Which, by the way, I've never read any other books. Do we ever find out what the fuck is in his brain? The, the the idea that he had was to steal the heart of gold and go to Margothea. But he but, chopped but it why? off. He chopped it off so that he could pass through the censors oh. and, and the rigorous um, checks. That seems like to an make awful lot of president. work to steal a, a spaceship. Spaceship, <laughs> spaceship. spaceship. <laughs> I, it's a great metaphor, though, right? No politician is ever their true self. You are always getting a polished rock of something that we think is real that isn't. And you close off part of yourself to pass right. the censors. Right, because nobody wants to hear that you hate white chocolate. You know what I mean? Or whatever tirade you have personally that has nothing to do with your political uh, party. All the things that could irk white Molly. Chocolate. White chocolate <laughs> is what she comes up with. You- you don't want to hear the Tyree. But that's not the point. That's <laughs> not the point. That's exactly it, though, right? Like, what, you know, what if Ted Cruz has a real, like, affinity for Care Bears? And that is his pride and joy. And he has, like, a Care Bear gallery. And that's all he really wants to talk about. But I think I might like him more. That's but, pretty cool. <laughs> but he doesn't talk about it because his constituents, the people that he you know, caters to and the people that he's, his audience is not going to give a fuck about his Care Bear collection. No, I mean, you have to, I, I have a the power of Care Bears. Any, anybody <laughs> can become a politician if they use half their brain. Right. Personally, like using my whole brain. Mm-hmm. Right. Never right. half-ass two things, whole-ass one thing. My husband Just, is Ron Swanson. That's all right. So, somebody has to be. You notice that this episode has a lot of really awkward pauses. <laughs> I'm really uncomfortable. Because neither of us that. are doing the questions. So I'm really, I'm really uncomfortable with the pauses. <laughs> how do you how do you feel about this, Tom? <laughs> Tell there's, us there's where, no you, where you like what is your stance on this question and how you feel about it? Oh, as a politician? Yeah. Yeah, I, like do, do, do the whole thing to the best of your ability. I mean, be be the person you need to be. The whole part of yourself. Don't don't set yourself, split yourself off, and and contain yourself just to be somebody who needs to be accepted by others, who needs to feel popular. Like I, politics is just a, a I mean, popularity contest. And amongst, I, right, but yeah, let's, okay. let's let's. But if you are one of those people that needs to close off things, maybe politics is not for you. Maybe right. being a world but, leader is not for you if you have to also, hide things about yourself. Without getting hyper political, look at Beto O'Rourke. That man is a thousand percent himself, and he's always. It seems like he is always honest, and he has a lot of hate on both sides of the aisle. Does does he use his whole brain? Is he actually thinking about what he says when I he think, says? Okay, without getting political again, Tom, because <laughs> we don't have this is not a political thing. I think honestly, that's Beto flat. 
I don't think we're getting any more or less of him. I don't think there's anything other than the surface. There, there's no little ducky legs going. I think that's it. And I think that's why his career hasn't gone the way it has. Because neither side of the aisle because likes he's it. Him. He's only he's just, capable of being half. I mean, I just think that's who he is. Cut and dry. Which makes a lot of people like him. But he's not getting big bankroll from the Democrats. And the Republicans hate him. So it is a valid point that even if you are your true self in politics today, nobody wants nothing to do with you. Well, that, no, I, I didn't say that that's what we need our politicians to be. I, no, I'm just saying, but I'm saying, like, in honesty, based off of, like, the comment this book is having, you have to be turned on. You have to be fake. You have to hide yeah, but that's portions not, of yourself. But that's not really true in this book, because Zaphod is a criminal and a wild man and a wild card, and everybody knows those things, and they elected him anyway. Okay, but how many... No, what I'm saying is she's saying that someone that is authentically themselves cannot be elected to a, a higher office and they elected him because he was authentically. But himself. he all they also elected him because he's a liar. Right? He yeah. he I really don't have anything to contribute big, to this conversation. He makes big promises <laughs> that he doesn't do. He blew up a planet just because he was gonna make this freeway that wasn't necessary. Actually, he didn't do that. He didn't, he didn't do that. He didn't do that. Okay. See, I don't know this book very well. <laughs> and also, if Earth really cared, they could have visited their local planning office. <laughs> they could. They had plenty of time to appeal it. Mm-hmm. Sure, they did. <laughs> Yep. Next question. Next question. <laughs> Can't handle the uncomfortable silences. I know it's weird. I don't. I don't get. Moving on. I'm trying not to talk over y'all. Well, that's not how this works. That's not how, this works. That's not how any of this. How works. many episodes of this podcast have you listened to? This is not how this works. <laughs> I listened to all of them plus more. <laughs> what, what do you think 42 means? Uh, like. Like, do you mean that what is the ultimate question? No. What do you think 42 means? The 42 is the answer right. to, the ultimate, to the ultimate question of life, right. the universe, and everything. Right. What does it mean? The number of cookies you get out of a batch of chocolate chip cookies from Toll House. Um, I do not have a better answer than that. <laughs> <laughs> there, There is a real answer. Um, like, Douglas I- Adams... Like I feel like, like I feel like if I'm going to say what 42 is and answer what I think the ultimate question is, the answer to me is love and family. But that doesn't really make sense with the answer being 42. And I think the bigger question is the ultimate question, which what is the ultimate question? Because they thought they were asking for the answer to life, right? The meaning of and life. everything, and right. that's not the answer they got. They got the answer to the ultimate question, which was not what is the meaning of life. So what does Douglas Adams say? So you have to get into the head of Douglas Adams when, when I don't you think see I want to. I don't either. <laughs> Hard pass. <laughs> and, and, and it's important to understand the answer. To to understand that Douglas Adams was just this goofy guy. Yeah. 
sitting in front of a typewriter in his garden, trying to think of what is what the answer. What a heavy thing to everything. take out to a garden. Like, typewriters yeah, he, were heavy. <laughs> Molly, that's like, not the point. <laughs> no, but it is the point. Like, who likes, like, you know what? I love the sun outside. I'm going to take my 1950s typewriter that's the size of a desk and truck it out to the garden. It just feels extra. Sorry, moving on, Tom. Sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt. <laughs> He probably walks in the snow both ways to school, uphill. I mean, you know, right, right, he's right. that old. Right. Yeah. Um, so the the idea for, for Douglas Adams and to, to put down 42 as the answer, he was taking a piss. Mm. It was funny to him. He just said, yeah, let's put down 42. That'd be funny. You get the whole world riled up about a number. And I just want to say it is so hot when you use British slang. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Now, let me ask you this, Tom, being that this is your favorite book, the first time you read the first the first book and you closed that last page, what did you think the answer was? So it was it was a little bit of everything uh, for me because you start looking at it and it does begin to influence how you see the world. Right. Um, And. But what did you think the meaning was in in the 70s, um, you know, Douglas Adams. When, when you pull up the um, ASCII table for UTF-8, um, and this is, the, this is how computers... I don't know what that is. I don't either. You've, you've lost me. Is, is how computers know which key you pressed on the keyboard. Sure. Yes, and I know what that one. is. I know what okay. that is. Yes, I, I, I know okay. now. Okay, I'm with you. So 42, the, the UTF-8 42 character is Shift-8, which is star. Everything. Aww. Hmm. Aw, it's an yeah. asterisk. It's an asterisk, yes. I which like is, that. Which is the but an asterisk can also... And, and UTF-8, there's 42, the 42nd, that's that's everything, that's the star. That's the placeholder for the computer, and he didn't finish running the program. But... I. That's hilarious. That makes it even funnier to me now, because now it's like... Now it's like... A footnote. <laughs> well, an asterisk also, like, look at, like, baseball. They put an asterisk next to what that that one um, Boston player, when they found out he was doping, he got a number of pitches, but there was an asterisk saying he didn't really get it, right? Yeah. So It always means more information or right. um, that there's a, a footnote or some sort of additional uh, – that's really clever. Yeah. I, I could have gone my whole life without ever knowing that it was an asterisk just because I think it's funny that it's 42, but that is really freaking clever. But it was not Douglas Adams's intention. What do you think his, his intention, intention was? Oh. No, he, he said it. He, he, he just he, thought it was funny. <laughs> he published it as I was sitting in my garden and decided to take a piss on everybody. So it's 42. It's not take a piss. It's take the piss. Okay, whatever. He was telling a joke because not he's whatever. Like, because I'm gonna have to retract that. How hot you look when you say British slang? Like you're gonna have to say it right. Or well, bloody. Back. There you go. <laughs> back at it. Woo. Bugger. <laughs> I we just finished me before you, so buggers like in my dialect right now. Yeah. <laughs> Bugger. <laughs> When I came home from England, that taking the piss was like one of the things I couldn't break myself of saying. <laughs> and people were like, what are you talking about? And I was the like, things. it's a joke. My life's a joke. It's fine. 
So it, understanding those two answers, um, is this basically the Santa Claus paradox? That, you know, you have I don't, something magical and mystical and oh. and once you understand the meaning behind it, well, it, it's just your parents putting Christmas presents under the tree. No, because no. I honestly think, like, this is different from that, right? Because after you read the book, 42 can mean whatever you t- interpret that book to mean. We just mm-hmm. had a whole long conversation about what we each interpret half a brain to mean for politicians. So I think 42 can mean different things based on where you are in life and how you're reading this book. I think 42 is just going to always be like special in our family because it's been an ongoing joke since we were dating. Like it's, I bought Tom towels that had 42 on them for our first Christmas. Um, we sponsor a family through our church at Christmas every year. And we always pick 42. Like every year we okay. pick a family that's number 42. See? Yesterday, Tom went and got um chocolate smoothie for us and we were order number 42. And he like brought home the ticket and like put it down so I could see it. Like, so I, it does for me, 42, for me, 42 is, is love and our family and like all of that to me. Um, so even if I, even if you call it an asterisk or even if it's just that it was really funny to him, to me, because of the way this book has played into like our marriage and our relationship, it's always going to have meaning to me. Well, now you guys need to find the 42nd lot in a cemetery and that's where you guys will be buried one day. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, life begins and ends. It, it's a thing. I'm just, oh, man. <laughs> I'm, I'm planning ahead. I guess I'm not saying you're dying today. I'm just saying eventually we all die. Let's let April. We now have to alter our wills to not let Molly be. Because <laughs> your bodies don't go in the ground until it's the forty second lot. You guys are in a freezer somewhere for the like eighty years. Oh, My man. trust is trying to find you a forty second lot, and then their trust and <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This anyway. this book is is full of philosophy. Arthur right. and Ford, with one second left to death, Zaphod says, "No, not let them die as such. But if you'd taken the trouble to think about the problem a moment longer, the problem would have solved itself." Uh huh. I, I love ignoring the problem until it isn't. Um, it's a habit <laughs> I picked up in the Coast Guard. Because <laughs> somebody else Molly, will fix it. Molly, how many PT tests have you ignored? Um, all of them. <laughs> I haven't, as a yeoman, as soon as I went into an admin position, they stopped requiring me to do PT tests. How come they still required you to do them? Because you were just like, I mean, not just. Because he still would have to go underway. My job required less underway time because one, I was female, and two, I was a yeoman. Yeah, well, his job didn't require, and I mean, he already, yeah, it doesn't require that much underway time either. Like, a lot of what they did was... Uh, land based, but right. Actually, funny like, side story: when Tom and I met, I did not want to marry someone in the military. Like that was like a no for me. Honestly, our first date was just me getting my feet wet and dating again. And I guess it was for him too. And we both knew that he was moving, and it was I. I it was a free dinner. Like I was going to have a guy take me to dinner. He was going to treat me like a lady, and then that was going to be the end of that. High five at the end of the date. See you later. Never. Um, but. 
when we got serious, I started asking him questions like, do you plan to go back on a boat? And he would tell me things like, I didn't join the Coast Guard to be on land. Fast forward to when us getting married and him applying for a bunch of land billets. And I'm like, don't you want to get back underway? And he's like, my priorities changed, which is freaking adorable. That's sweet. Yeah. That's Guess sweet. I keep him. Even when I he mean, says it's things. It's a little like, late to change your mind now. I mean, it never is, but. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> you're in the double digits. You're in too deep. <laughs> no one else would take us at this point. <laughs> That's what I tell Matt. We're just too lazy to move on. Uh, no. It's fine. Anyway. <laughs> Uncomfortable silence again. <laughs> y'all y'all aren't talking. Nobody is talking. You're not talking. We're doing You're not talking fun. and you're the host. It's weird, man. <laughs> well, I, mean, okay. I mean, I don't know why I'd be surprised. That's kind of how right. I wasn't like... No, exactly. But... Still. Honestly, if Tom were more of a talker, I'm not sure how we would survive because, like, we would just talk over each other. So it helps that I'm the talker. Like you and I, every episode of every. Yes, but I didn't marry you. <laughs> now you are. You're metaphorically married to me. <sighs> Next question. <laughs> no, it's a that's a perfect segue. As the only two females on this podcast, have you ever had the urge to throw a pot of petunias? And why? Um, Constantly. We're married to men. <laughs> <laughs> and we have children. Oh, yeah. Like, Listen, I have to just say what our kids did today. Because this is an example of when I want to throw things. Our kids were having a fight. This is what they were fighting about. James, who is our oldest, decided to goad Sam into a who has more knowledge test. Which he is three years older than Sam and he's also very freaking smart. Like he's not average. He's been reading a little bit longer. It takes it's he's been absorbing right. it longer. He's gifted. He's actually he's gifted. So I'm not saying that Sam isn't, but right. he's three years younger. So he decided to goad him by telling him spell playground. And Sam got really fucking frustrated because he could not spell playground. And so he started slamming his door and he'd Sam open his did? door. Sam. He'd open his door, throw a toy out in the hallway, and then slam his door. Then open his door and throw a toy in the hallway and then slam his door. Were and they his toys I, or James's? They were his toys. <laughs> but when I went to go and like talk to them about this, Sam said, James asked me a question. And I was like, well, that doesn't seem like something to get upset about. So I was like, James, what question should you ask him? I asked him if he knew how to spell playground. I was like, do you know how to spell playground? And he did not. And I was like, this is the dumbest shit I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> but that is kids in a nutshell. And that is the kind of stuff that makes me want to throw things. I do not throw things. I have to go on record on that. I do not throw things. Same. I grew up in a family where people threw things and a lot of words and a lot of things and a lot of fists. And so I I don't throw things, but am I tempted frequently? Yeah. 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 Apparently Sam throws things though. I mean, he's got to get his rage out one way. <laughs> they need a break uh, from each other. I they need a break from each other. And you guys are on spring break. So good luck with that. Yeah. They're, they're with our neighbors right now. And I just kind of wanted to uh, like hunger games salute her. <laughs> <laughs> May the odds be ever in your favor. You could keep them for a couple hours. Um, 
I last night had a very similar thing. We're packing, right? Mm-hmm. Both girls have showered. Dinner isn't ready yet. Mm-hmm. Every minute that is their free moment until their rooms are completely packed is to be spent packing because they are old enough now. They are old enough to sort through yeah. stuff and right. put it in boxes. Right. And they both come downstairs with books, like ready to chill. And I'm like, <laughs> what are you two doing? And they're like, um, we're going to read. No. Is your rooms packed? And they both got pissy with me, like stomping upstairs and slamming doors. And I'm like, in their defense, at least they wanted to read. Like, at least that's constructive. Right. It, but they've been reading all day. They were doing homeschool all day. That's but, life right there. Right. Like, I, I, I. No, they anyway, definitely need to be packed. I want to throw in a patuta pot then, too. <laughs> Tom, Parenting I know- makes me want to throw pots. Yes. <laughs> Do you ever want to throw a petunia pot? No, I, I, well. Or you think it's only a thing of the fairer sex? Well, <laughs> it is. Like, I'm on the receiving book. end of the petunias. I mean, I don't know what makes y'all want to throw them. So I need to figure out Maybe, how to not you, be at the receiving end of a petunia. How's that going for you, by the way? No, not well. <laughs> <laughs> you and Matt need to form a support group. <laughs> Um, I have never thrown a petunia plant at Tom. I've never thrown anything at Tom. But a metaphoric one. Oh, yeah, come on. Pillows. No, I throw the pillows. What do I throw? You threw yourself at me this time. Tom, don't tell people that. (laughs) (laughs) We need to move on to the next question. You're so much more embarrassing. It's so much more embarrassing when he's in the room with us. Opposed to just like editing it. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Next question. (laughs) Much of the backstory, much of the story and the backstory is told via dictionary entries uh, and other flashbacks. Do you think this plot device is overused in this book? No, I think it's. I forgot the question. Can you try again? (laughs) (laughs) She's trying to calm down. (laughs) Dies. Need 42 plot. Can you repeat the question? (laughs) Much of the story and backstory was told via dictionary entries and other flashbacks. Do you think the flashback plot device was overused? I actually liked the interrupting narrator thing in this book. I don't always like it. I don't always like it either, but I like the histrionics. I think it helps. I honestly could go for more of it because I felt confused the whole book. I felt like I was reading a book in the middle of a series that I had no idea about. Like, I, this world was built already, and I'm reading, like, the second or the third book, and I don't know what's going on. Well, I mean, the book starts almost in the middle of the story, right? Right. Like, right. Yeah, so, the, yellow, the color yellow. Right. It, it just, it, um, so it helps fill the world out in a way that, as a fresh reader to the series, doesn't get, you know, like, the information. One of the things we do talk about on this pod a lot is when world building happens in book series and and books. I have. I was very confused by the world building in this book. I'm not not going to lie. She did not let me finish my statement. Okay, you can finish All interrupted with the bell. Um, (laughs) I'm going to take that away from you. Um, Come and get it, bitch. (laughs) You know what? You're not going to be that far from me pretty soon, so I might. Um, That's true. You might. (laughs) Um. 
No, I mean, I actually thought that the that kind of stuff helped build the world. Like, so it reminds me of when we read Evelyn Hugo and it had okay. like the noise story, news yes. stories and things like that. I didn't like it in that because I didn't think it was necessary to the world building, but I did like it in this because I thought it helped build the world without um, taking away from the story. Well, I feel like if you were to omit that from this book. You have no context. You have no context, yeah. right? And you, I feel you could like do it I, a different way. I, I actually did not like it because you could do it a different way. Like the first time you see it, um, you're, you're, you're being shown what a babble fish is. Right. But he, I, I, you, you could have four just tell him what a babble fish is. Hey, yes, this but, thing takes but, waves from your brain. But, that, that, but if you're but, going to write a book that has a book as the central character, which the protector's guide, the book. it has to be part of the story. I, I also really like the random vignettes that are not a part of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy book. Um, not the book we read, but like the the book within the like book. Like the sub stories? I, I like the sub story that like was that they created a, like a like a ripple in time and like the, these two <laughs> planets were like fighting about a war and then they just forgot what the war was like that's right. hilarious <laughs> all of a sudden they were I, like oh like that was a mistake whale. i like the whale the whale i love the whale where he's trying to figure what out his this? own body kind yeah. of round i will call it ground i hope oh. it will be friends with me and then he dies splat wow that's life in a metaphor <laughs> and the petunia says not again right <laughs> So obviously it's happened enough with Petunia. Mm. Yes. I, I don't, I, I think, I think Mr. Adams actually got in over his head with it. Um, because the one, my one complaint about the book. Uh, was I'll ring a bell for you. Very near the end. Um, we see they're, they're being pulled off of the um, catalog machines at Margarethia. Like everybody but Ford, everybody but Arthur was captured, put on the machines uh, as a, a demo reel for Margarethia and what they can do. Mm-hmm. And then we kind of like jump back in time to this is the answer, the question, the ultimate answer. And we get introduced to 42 and then there's no clear transition. It just kind of moves continuously into yeah. Oh yeah, you've been unplugged. Like, no, we we were just in an entry in the book, and now we just got unplugged from the machine. I will yeah. say that that, that, it, it, it got lost. that is one space in the book where it needed a break of some sort. Yeah. But other than that, I felt it was necessary. I liked the side story that all of the cleaning people died, and so they just leave everything dirty. <laughs> Who's going to clean it up? I mean, they're all dead. <laughs> oh. Yeah. I don't know what to do. This episode is just weird. <laughs> the book is weird. The episode's weird. Everything's weird. It's all good. Husband's weird. Because we like pointing out plot holes. Uh, yes, we was, do. <laughs> was Trillian at the conference when Zaphod stole the Heart of Gold? Or was she picked up afterward? Well, After. he, sees her, he sees her in the audience. Zaphod was at the party with Arthur. Right. 
She left with an alien, Zaphod, who said, hey, look, I've got a place, spaceship. You want to come see the galaxy? So she left. Right. So what was Zaphod, when he picked up the Heart of Gold, when he stole the Heart of Gold, his first thing was, like, let's go party on Earth? Yes. No. Like, no, no. That's to go to see it. You, but no, you can go either way no, on this side. No, that's not what I thought happened. I, my understanding was, because Arthur says there was a girl a few months ago. That was Trillian, um, but whatever her real name was then. He saw her at the played party. By Zoe, um, played by Zoe Deschanel in the movie. I have issue with that casting. I'll come back oh, to Oh, I, I do too. Um, so, I also, uh, anyways. So ahead. they're at the party, and she leaves with Zaphod. He does have a spaceship, but not the Heart of Gold. He's not president yet. Or maybe he is president. But <laughs> then they go and they steal the Heart of Gold together, because she's in the audience then. I... It's stolen at the unveiling. Right. He is the president, which gives him access and closer access to Correct. the gold. But, but she it. she got picked up beforehand. He picked her up from Earth beforehand and then took her to the unveiling as his girlfriend. And then they stole the heart of gold together. And then they were supposed to be heading for Magrathea, but they ended up picking up... Um, but- Based Ford on her personality and, and what Arthur, we knew about yes. her in the book, she would never participate in theft. Why? What makes you think that? What has she done because that made you think that? She just seems like a more lawful, neutral person. No. To me. That's how she reads. No, I don't think so. I don't um, think she, she went for the like, bad boy at a party. Right, but that, she that was because she wanted to. No, she, went, she, she went, went for adventure. She wasn't going she went for a bad for the adventurous boy at the party. She, she went for adventure. She wasn't looking for a bad boy. She was looking for someone that would do adventurous has, things with her. She, she has was never, mice as pets, which is just awful. And you have to that think makes about, her a bad person. I know. Yes. 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 Okay. Okay. When we learn about what the mice are, I guess that. I don't know. Anyone that owns mice must be a bad person. I've had pet rats in the past. Yeah, well, I judge you for that. Rude. I hate <laughs> them. I hate them. So um, anyway, I, my I point is, it, I my find point it completely is, improbable that I find it completely improbable that a mildly law-abiding person would hop off in the middle of the galaxy with the president of the galaxy in order to steal a spaceship which hasn't been invented yet that they don't know what's going to do because it's completely improbable well, that I'm they would saying, end up. And I'm not I, saying like, that it's a it's massive plot hole. Yes, it is a yes. plot hole. I'm not saying that it's likely, but you're also forgetting what her profession is. Like she's an astrophysicist and the idea of traveling the stars and also traveling the stars but, in a spaceship that's based on improbability. That's pretty fucking cool. But she I don't never think Neil indicated, I don't think she, Neil deGrasse Tyson would turn it down. But I don't Maybe think like, she would yeah. ever, we have never, like in her, we have never indicated in her personality in this book that she would agree to crime. We don't Neil know any Tyson based off his histrionics. There is a possibility he would agree to crime. <laughs> we, don't, we don't know anything about her. The only thing that we know about her is a very small bit that we get in the story. We don't get backstory other than the fact that she did, wasn't like hung up on Arthur and decided to go But she's the voice of guy. reason when everybody's on the she ship. She is not the voice of reason. <laughs> I disagree with you on that. The Buttons ship are is, not toys. 
The ship is more, okay, her saying things that are logical does not necessarily make her the voice of reason. It just makes her the only woman in the story. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) What do you think, Tom? Well, she is not the only person to say things that are logical. Marvin. I know, I was actually going to say that. I think Marvin's the voice of reason. But what do you think about the plot hole, Tom? Uh, it's it's a giant plot hole. Look at it. There it is. And we'll point it out. You have no opinion either way. I I mean <laughs> the 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 idea of a um, Earth the last Earth female and the last female on Earth um, not getting together like that's that's a commentary on society itself. They both the characters need to be there. Right. Trillian is as much a part of the Hitchhiker's Guide as Arthur or Ford or the triple-breasted woman on the other planet, but they 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 need to be there. Um, and getting them there in a logical manner, I don't think, is the point of a comedic book. But it is a, so, it is a giant plot hole. So, so you'd think he is an author intended for this plot hole? I think he didn't care. Valid. I, I, I think he. I he, wish he I had more. Of- he wrote it. He looked back at it and goes, "The book's funny. It's good enough." I wish I had that sense when it came to writing. I just don't think it's a plot hole. Like I don't. I don't think we know enough about her to just to declare this a plot hole. I don't know. Where Where'd Zayfi get the ship? He stole it. Where did Zayfod get the ship to take Trillian off the planet? He already had one. He He stole it. She was at the stealing unveiling. No, no, no. That's are are we? Are you really? Are you really suggesting that the only ship that Zayfod ever had was the one he stole? Because that just seems really illogical. He's the president of the universe. He said, "How the fuck would he get anywhere?" Well, maybe he was on government command ships before that. Right. He still had a ship. Those aren't his. He's, He's saying this is his ship now. Okay, when, he, when he picked her up on answer. Earth, when he picked her up on Earth, him saying he had a ship was not the heart of gold. He had a ship. We'll it's never the know. The president of the galaxy with zero bodyguards just gets in a little planet buzzer and goes down and picks Bit up on a girl, Earth girl without anybody knowing. I don't see why that wouldn't be a problem. Our president can't leave the front porch without seven people following him. Okay, but really, this is not talking about, like, real politics. But we're talking about the safety of what would be the head of the world. Like, like the Nobody cares about his safety. They elected him so that they could watch him burn. Okay. <laughs> I'll take your word. I, I can't believe that I am having to defend this book. <laughs> <laughs> Let's move on to the next question before we make our head explode. <laughs> If, if you were able to order a bespoke planet, what would it be, and would it have award-winning fjords? Oh, lots of fjords. Sure. I mean, all the fjords. I mean, if all it'll make fjords. him happy. I honestly want... It's all blue, beautiful, crystal, blue water with a singular island with a hut for me, <laughs> and that's it. Leave me the f- alone, man. Yeah. My tropical planet. <laughs> I want my planet to be small enough that no one else can fit on it. It's just me and Tom, and I'll have our kids there. And that's it. 
That's funny. And our dog. Yeah. That's it. What about you, Tom? Y'all are, y'all are silly. Um, what? Well, picture this. Okay. A gentle five-knot breeze blows onshore from every angle of a 37-acre island. He wrote island. it down. He the did. temperature is a constant 66 degrees Fahrenheit. The ocean populated with koi as a single no. albatross thins the fish population. Blue-footed boobies walk and wobble on the coastline collecting small gemstones from their nests. My house would be designed as a lighthouse perched atop something that looks like the cliffs of Dover. Do I get to live there? Because all of that sounds horrible to me. So you clearly did not design it for me. (laughs) I don't like fish. I don't like birds. (laughs) I don't like cold. (laughs) So (laughs) there's, there's, there's and how do you feel about lighthouses? How do you feel about lighthouses? I do like lighthouses. I do like lighthouses. Okay. I I don't want them to keep me up all night. And I don't know why we would need a lighthouse if we're the only people on the planet. Like whose boats are we directing? (laughs) His, 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 his. How, how do you know where the boats are going to be? You, you, your what island boats? is there. You have to have a lighthouse oh, to tell okay. the ships okay. not okay. to run into the island. Okay, so we have an island on a planet, but we don't have the whole planet. No, we got the whole planet. Then what? Where are the boats coming from, Tom? Who the boats ocean. But the ocean just said- the ocean just creates boats. Like yes, that's, that's not how this works, baby. Peopleless boats. Uh, why do they got to be peopleless? Because you just said it was your planet. And nobody else just was on it. Just because I own the planet doesn't mean nobody else is on it. But you don't like people. Yeah, they're on the boats. Away from my 37-acre island. You know very well they're going to try to come to your island. They're on a boat. Wait a minute. The only land on our planet is our island. And the rest is like water world. And just like pirating. And we just, we have the lighthouse so they won't come to the only land that's available. Yes. And it's ocean water, which is not drinkable. So I'm guessing no. the only place that drinkable water is is on our island. And somehow you're, you're, you think somehow no. you think that nobody's going to try to invade our island because we put a lighthouse on it. It's not. This ocean is water. why we don't let you make plans. <laughs> it's not ocean water. There are koi in the ocean. It is a freshwater ocean. My cheeks hurt. Y'all need to stop. <laughs> Gosh. <sighs> Albatrosses don't live where there's fresh water. They're saltwater birds. Yes. Albatrosses are freshwater birds. No, they're saltwater. Oh my gosh. I don't know. I well, put it in the notes. I give up. <laughs> I give up. This is why we don't let you make plans. <laughs> I think that's a perfect, perfect little mm. spot to be. Mm-hmm. Okay. How are you going to wait? Wait. 37. Final question. No, no. How are you going to ward off all these boat-living people from the only piece of land on on your planet? And also, why does it matter? I got thirty-seven acres of boobies. Oh my gosh! Next question. (laughs) I'm regretting a lot of decisions I've made. We're over an hour, so we probably do need to get close to wrapping up. <laughs> we should probably talk about the movie. Well, it, instead of reviewing, reviewing the movie or the TV show. Or There's, a TV movies, show? There's a There's TV, TV show? show. There's and there were two show, movies? Two movies, oh, tapes, a radio broadcast, mm. records. Mm. People really um, like this. 
Or they're I, confused I thought- and they just want to keep recreating it till it makes sense. British humor. <laughs> it's fine. I, I thought we'd change it up a bit and discuss uh, change it up a bit because there are so many derivatives. A movie, a TV series, a radio broadcast, and a reunion radio broadcast. Why? When, where was the last time you spotted Adam's influence in modern media more yeah. than 42 years later? Oh, it, it's Big all over. Theory. Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Big Bang Theory. Yeah. Um. They have it several times in there. I yeah. know 42. Sheldon wears a shirt constantly that have 42 on them. Yeah. Um, they talk about Douglas Adams and Hitchhiker's Guide yeah. to the Galaxy on there, too. And yeah. I think, and I could be wrong, but I think there's even a small um, nod to it in New Girl. There is. I can't remember mm-hmm. what it is. I just remember both of us being like, hey. But that was because I think, so. well, also Zoe Deschanel. Right. Um, but while we're, while you talked about her again, since you're not going to talk about the movie, I just want to say really fast, I am annoyed that she was cast. That I love Zoe Deschanel. Please don't get me wrong. But Trillion is black. Yeah. And I, okay. So Zoe I, I have this one thing about the movie and then I'll let it go. I have, I remember as a teen watching this movie on TBS. She okay. They used to have, that's how old we are. Mm-hmm. I recall watching it several times. Mm-hmm. When I rewatched it this last past week, who I thought was playing Arthur was not Arthur. I have in my memory David Duchovny playing Arthur from what? the TBS F1. I what? and so when I saw what's his face, the Brit, I was like. I had to literally pause and go scroll through David Duchovny's whole IMDb page. Were you thinking of the other, the, what is the other space movie that Alan Rickman did? And I can't think of what it is. Um, yeah. oh, while she, while she looks that up. Uh, yes. The big bang theory um, is notable. Sheldon kicks a hacky sack. Yeah. Um, and his, his high score is 42. Two. Yes. Um, and he says he'll never get there again. Um, Maybe that's the answer to life. <laughs> that you'll never get back there? No, the um, number of times yeah, we can... Which, which, which actually is... is uh, um, there's, there's two references in that whole scene. Um, Raj then postulates that the number of... It's the number of roads that Sheldon has walked down, which is exactly the fake story conducted by the mice. Right. The, hmm. How many roads must the man walk down? It's nice. how many 42. roads that Sheldon walked down. Yeah. Um, what what we haven't seen, um, we're we're also missing a historical context. The the chess computer, Deep Thought, yes, the one that played Bobby Fischer, uh, was named Deep Thought. It was, but like this was like so old for us. But this is his Adam's continued influence. Well, it's 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 made its way. It's merged itself into pop culture, right? And it's made itself a part of the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. The the cartoon Rick and Morty has a map of the universe as Douglas Adams had described it. That's true. Uh, as their as their theme song, uh, Douglas Adams was on the was one of the scriptwriters for David Tennant. Yep. Um, the best language translation service on the internet is called Babblefish dot com. <laughs> it is. Yeah. It is. I can't find the movie I was talking about. Oh, you mean no. the one with Tim Allen? 
Oh, yeah, maybe that's what I was thinking of. I don't know why I was thinking Alan Rickman, Tim Allen. Alan um, Rickman's in that. Oh, is he? Okay. He plays Sir Alexander. Well, Alan Rickman and plays. And Sam Rockwell's in that one, too. But no, and David Coveney's not in that either. No, I have in my memory, I'm going to have to post, like, it, maybe it's a Mandela effect. Maybe there are other uh, people in the world that are feeling this, too. And I, Alan Rickman playing a depressed and possibly suicidal robot is the funniest is thing I've ever heard of. That is some His voice is perfect for the role. Yeah. His voice yeah. is perfect for the role. Um, I um, did not like the movie. Um, we watched the movie shortly I after I read the book for the first time. And recently, within this past year, the boys watched it with us, right? I think. Yep. I didn't like it. I rewatched it for this, I, but I, there was I, a lot I, of stuff I didn't remember. I really don't like what they did with Zaphod's double heads. Like, he's supposed to legit have, like, two heads. Yeah, and like the, the the whole flop thing yeah. was really weird. And then Tom was like, "Well, that's because of the CGI." I was like, um, "Star Wars had two headed creatures, so they did not have Star Wars budget." Um, Star Wars didn't have Star Wars budget. <laughs> Star Wars had the budget of one man who was like, "I will make it happen." I've got some cinder blocks that I'll return to Home Depot later. Let's do this. <laughs> All right, let's go. We can do it. Uh, any more questions, Tom? Um, just a couple more notes. Um, one of the, the the reason I really love science fiction and and comedy um, just makes it a little bit more funny. The reason I really love science fiction um, is it continues to inspire yeah. years, years, decades later. Yeah. Um, currently, NASA is has a plan for satellites to hitch a ride over to comets. Uh, and using Shiny. comets to hitch a ride and kick them out of the universe. Um, and and it's, it's purely an homage to um, Douglas Adams. Yeah. Um, one of the interesting things I found on the internet, continuing down the space route, is every single astronaut on the International Space Station has read Douglas Adams. Nice. Quality. And they all the, – the International Space Station – um, celebrated inter- interplanetary, intergalactic towel day nice. on May 25th. Nice. They chose May wow. 25th because it's two weeks after uh, Douglas Adams' death on May 11th, 2001. Why, why don't you do it on his... Anim- I, I'm so confused. <laughs> okay. <laughs> two reasons. One... It's hilarious because it's just two weeks after. Yeah, duh. And it makes complete sense. It yeah. makes complete sense with Douglas Adams because Douglas Adams doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Right. But also, the guy who came up with it on the internet forum said, I can get everything ready in about two weeks, maybe, because he had just heard about Douglas Adams' death on the 14th and said, yeah, I can get it ready by the, by the 25th. Let's do it then. <laughs> And it's then everybody said, "Yeah, just on the throw together." Yeah. I do think it's important to have a towel. I mean, this is a valid thing. Day. A towel's always handy. Good Inter- advice. Interplanetary towel day is where everybody takes their towel and just makes it as part of their fashion. It's a good idea. Solid, <laughs> solid idea. Anything else, baby? Or should we talk about what we're doing next week? What are we doing next week? Oh, oh no. that's a great question. Um, 
Maybe you are. Um, so <laughs> next week brings in a new month, and we're kind of doing something different next month because I'm actually going to host all five of the weeks. Because um, my life is chaotic right now. Because Gabe. Molly is chaotic, chaotic, as we told you last week. Um, but if you aren't following us on social media, please do. We always post the books that we are covering, and I recently posted um, an update of all the books that we'll be doing in May. So we're going to start the month with Me Before You by Jojo Moyes. Um, we're only going to be talking about the first book in this series. I do realize it's a trilogy, but the first one's the one that matters. So there you go. Agreed. Um, the second week, we're going to do The Royal We by Heather Cox and Jennifer Morgan. And we're also only going to talk about the first book in this series, though we may talk mention. a little bit, may mention some of the second. Um, and then the, we're going to wrap out the month with two books, three books that are new to Molly and I. So we're going to read Nine Perfect Strangers by uh, Leanne. Which is Leanne. a Hulu show, right? Morty? I never know how to say her name. We'll have to look that up. It's a yes. Hulu show too, uh, right? Yes. And she's the author of Big Little Lies, which is the only book by her that I've read so far. And then we're going to do The Opposite of Always. And this is by Justin A. Reynolds. Mm -hmm. And this is a YA romance book. Um, kind of, because it's about breaking up. And then we're going to wrap out the month but with Circe by Madeline Miller, which, of course, is inspired by Greek mythology. Um, and all of these books, if you notice, are uh, big ones that are floating around on the book talk. We're trying to bring you all what you are listening We're to. We're hip, gang. Yeah. We're down with it and funky. If you say it like that, they will know that we are not. That's the whole point of being ironic. All right. So that's all we have. Thank you to our guests. The love of Thanks, my life. Tom. I love you so much. You're very cute. Well, you, you get a cut double thumbs up from me. You need to cut your beard. This it's shorter than I've drip. seen it. This is short yeah. as I've seen it in a long time. It's not. He tucked it in his shirt. Shut up. Thomas. Mm. Anyway, I love you. Man. Right? Thank you. I love you. Thank you for hosting for us today. Yes, Molly, I love you. I can't I believe that in a few weeks I will see you in person. I know. We'll have to do some like uh, Instagram live or something when we get to mm -hmm. do that. So, till next time, gang. All right. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us on Book Besties. A very unspecial guest, Thomas Watkins. Don't forget to like and subscribe. The views discussed here are mostly those of Molly, April, and Tom, and certainly not those of anyone else. Today's book has been The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy by Douglas Adams. Your book besties are Molly Biggs and April Watkins. The person slapping this episode into an intro-outro sandwich will be Thomas Watkins. The music is Sleep Sweetly by Pritchett. Don't forget to follow the book besties on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, and YouTube. If you'd like to contact the book besties, please email us at bookbestiespod at gmail.com.